0: Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And I have a returning Keyforge friend who took a short summer hiatus and now she is back. Sydney, what is going on?
1: Hey, life is good, kids are good, summer is good. I'm so glad to be back.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you back. It was it was fun having Zach fill in. I oh, he was appreciate great. everything he did. Yeah, that was just so clutch that he came at that exact time saying right? he love to moonlight. And uh, it allowed you to just be like, Okay, well now I don't feel guilty taking it.
1: <laughs> totally.
0: So this week uh, we have a fun topic. We're gonna be talking about new Keyforge stuff, because obviously with uh Galaxy Ghost coming on, they've been putting out some news articles and not letting us starve for information, which has been the case for quite some time. So we're going to dive into some of that this week. Um, we're actually, well, I'll just say we're going to be talking about tokens and that concept coming into the game. Uh, for the most part, we're not going to be doing a lot of spoilers. Um, we will have a bit of a spoiler aspect, which we will give you notice before we go into that in case you're trying to avoid Uh, anything that is a spoiler so you can uh, skip forward a bit before we get into when is this card good but first we must address some news that came through the galaxy ghost pipeline and sydney i will pass that over to you
1: Absolutely. I'm really excited for this. So, this is Keyforge Adventures coming to real life. I know when FFG came out with the print your own version of the Keyforge Adventures, most of us were like, "Let me give you my money and make a a real version, like make a card stock version of this that I can buy, and, and Galaxy Ghost is coming through. They're, they're printing the the ones that we're already familiar with, The Abyssal Conspiracy and Rise of the Kurakin, and um, I think they note in their article that, like, there's more to come, so I'm very excited for this. The, they are be at uh, Gen Con this year, so we can actually pick them up sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. I spent a decent amount of money getting mine printed, so I'm not sure if I will pick them up um but they're they're two separate ones right yeah yeah i might grab the second because i don't think i ended up printing that one out uh the second Keyforge Adventure, so i i may buy that one but there people were wondering about the price point because they are a little pricier than like a standard deck but there's also a lot more to it than a standard Absolutely.
1: deck I also think that once once you have these, it'll be so much more fun to actually play them because with the print your own version, it was actually kind of hard to hard to manipulate all the cards the way that they came out. And because so many are on the board at a time, having actual quality cards to do this with makes playing these adventures so much more fun.
0: I actually went to a printer and got mine done. Like I didn't print <laughs> nice. mine at home. That's why mine cost a little bit more. But they were um it was some work to get it done and cost a, a bit of coin. So I'm I'm happy to keep the key rack in one and then I will try the other one. Uh I think I'll buy that one when it becomes available. But yeah, I'm I'm stoked for some Keyforge adventures. It's uh it's just another way to play the game and to utilize some decks that uh, may not be competitive in terms of playing against another human, but, uh, it will be great for playing against a artificial intelligent deck that is going to do its own thing. And I think you could find some really fun stuff there. So I'm, I'm really stoked for that.
1: Totally. Me too.
0: So now time to get into tokens. And I think when this article came out uh, last month, exactly a month ago, uh, basically they, uh, they talked about tokens and this new aspect to the game because we've known for some time that the the idea was that when the tide card came out and created an extra I guess piece of cardboard to be utilized in some form or fashion first iteration was the tide card and now we're seeing it come out as a token card and it's quite interesting I think that this exists now and I'm super stoked for it I mean I like the idea that this is being utilized in a different way and if it's going to be done like this every set is kind of interesting where each set has a unique thing that exists but it makes me wonder about the tide aspect because I know Sydney we've talked in the past about how the tide always exists right
1: I was going to say that they they found a great awesome really cool way to use the 37th card because it was promised that there would always be a 37th mm-hmm. card. But in the actual full replacement of the tide, how does that how does that work? I guess any card that any deck that has the tide already in it can you can use the tide card from that deck for the game you're playing even if the other deck is from a different set but if two cards if two decks are from two sets that aren't in um the, the they don't have the tide card then yeah you must you got to come up with something else
0: yeah and, and i'm wondering if we'll get clarifications on the tide because i remember you said even if the tide doesn't exist it's part of the game now and now I'm wondering, is that still going to be true when Ghost Galaxy kind of, you know, because they, they said they're going to be r- clarifying rules.
1: That's true. Um, and I think that's a good idea because they're introducing a lot of spoilers that allow for our imaginations to run wild. But I wouldn't be surprised if they actually have a good backbone of the the real solid rule set behind this. They're just not releasing the rule set with the spoilers.
0: Yeah, so we'll. I think we'll see how that all shakes out over time. But that's one thing I was just wondering with the addition of this this extra card in the form of tokens. And the first thing I that instantly jumped out to me about these tokens was that they have a more full art. Spectrum. Yeah, like that's a good point. Box, the box is smaller. You see more art, and I love that.
1: Oh my gosh, I didn't even notice that's so cool. And so true. And it's funny mm-hmm. that some of these like I'm looking at some of them now. Like there's one or two with larger text boxes because they have so much text, but they do stand out based on the the size of the text box for all the others.
0: Yeah. So it's um it's it's pretty cool. So that's the one thing that I I instantly notice when looking at these. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm super stoked for this. And for those of you who are not familiar with the the token idea, Sydney, are spoiler you, alert. do you want to, well, do you want to explain how the tokens work? And
1: Absolutely. So okay. in every deck, so yeah, spoiler alert in every deck, your 37th card for the set of Winds of Exchange is going to be a procedurally generated token and what that means is uh, once your three houses are procedurally generated the 37th card picks one of the available token creatures from the set of houses that you have inside your deck already and so there are let's say i think you're four or five ish um from Mars is the one that they spoil the most of. And so if Mars is one of the three houses in your deck, that 37th card is gonna be one of the four or five creatures that are a token in Mars. And so that's going to be your 37th card. And then inside the deck, there will be cards that talk about tokens. And when they use the keyword token, what they're referencing is the card that is the 37th card. But the really cool thing is how these tokens come into play because these other cards that reference tokens will have you put a card from your 36 cards face down. So it is no longer the card that it originally was. It could be from the top of your deck. It could be from your hand, which actually really matters because you can thin your Mm -hmm. deck if you get to choose, or you could hurt your deck if it's randomly... Um, p- taken from uh, the top of your deck and it is now upside down in front of you and then the 37th card is the reference card for what that creature can do and so that that upside down card in front of you is now that creature so that is how tokens are going to come into play in the game
0: yeah it's, I think that's so interesting the the only thing rules clarification hoping down the line is do you have to show your token or can you keep it hidden until the moment it becomes relevant
1: ooh interesting
0: Right? Because I that could be like, how good is the token? Because if you see, for example, well, I guess if yeah. they read your list, they'll probably know what token you have. But in sealed, I guess this would be more relevant.
1: Sure. I feel like because just the precedent set of the Tide being on the table at the beginning of the game, I wouldn't be surprised if your token is a card on the table at the beginning of the game. But I would love for it not to be. That would be kind of cool, you having to like see in your head – or think in your head what kinds of tokens they could have based on their three houses, just like you would try and like think of what their card lineup would be based on their houses in a, in a game of sealed. But yeah, that's interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the other thing I thought was interesting and it's more like a a question I'm going to pose out there is will only the house that the token belongs to have cards that create tokens or will your other houses potentially have the ability to have create token and therefore you're able to use a strategy of putting a card onto the table of the house you want to call next potentially.
1: Interesting. So you can basically
0: have it set up and have it ready. And this is particularly relevant with Mars because Mars has a lot of cards if they're coming back that are like, if it's ready Mars creatures, which means you could put a token on the battlefield that will be ready for your Mars turn and therefore set up those Mars cards that require a ready Mars creature, but you did it in your other house. That's what I'm curious about.
1: That's really funny because I didn't even think that that wouldn't be an option. I think that like in my head, how this is, this is just conjecture, but how this yeah. is built out is that cards, new cards in this set, not returning cards, but new cards in this set, just some of them have the word token in them some of them interact with tokens and that any card can be procedurally put into a deck so like all three houses would have cards and creatures that talk about tokens and then would just all equally interact with the randomly generated token no matter what house it's from so i i didn't actually even like conceive of the fact that the other houses might not be able to do that
0: that's that's the one question i have and why don't we jump into some of the the known cards? So this is going to be this next discussion is going to be straight up the most spoiler. Like you, we're talking about very specific things here. So this will be the time to skip forward maybe like ten minutes or so. So let's first talk about the blorb hive.
1: Oh yeah, because
0: this is I think one of actually it's the most interesting combination I think because the it's coolest first concept. Of all, yeah, it's, it's a key cheat. and And I feel it's relevant for what we just talked about in the sense that if what you're saying is true, that every card, there could be more than one card that creates um, tokens within the deck, that means you could start putting Blorbs out and then yes. your Hive starts going and then you could go or does a thing happen like we know has existed in the game where if Blorb Hive exists, maybe you you don't get as many token cards. You know what I mean? Like I'm wondering right. if there's going to be this OP Blorb Hive deck, which I can <laughs> oh, see being the be. thing that, that you have all these cards in different houses that create tokens. So, and so
1: I'm going re- to read this yeah. text just so our listeners know what we're talking about okay. since we're already in spoiler land. So this is a an artifact called Blorb Hive. It's not a creature like you would think, but it says, Omni, destroy a friendly creature. If you do make two Blorbs, which would be a token. The token is the Blorb. Then if you control 10 or more blorbs, destroy Blorb Hive and forge a key at no cost. So the the concept would be if if other cards could also put Blorbs out there, and then this Blorb Hive gets you enough to hit 10, then you can forge a key.
0: Yeah, and and the cool thing is, is that you need uh you need to get rid of you need to be purging the Blorb Hive because the Blorb token itself says it's a one-powered creature that cannot reap but it has a destroyed trigger that says, return Blorb Hive from your discard pile to your hand. So it's a one power creature, so they're not exactly hard to deal with, but you basically can keep recurring Blorb Hive over and over again and get it. And now this is one of those things where if Blorb Hive exists in your deck, you will automatically have the Blorb as your token. It's They said that there will be a few exceptions that have it where if you have a certain card, it will automatically determine the token you get. And this is one of them. And I think it's really interesting Thinking if you can have you know other houses creating tokens and you can really go gangbusters with that.
1: So as op as this could be, this could also be a rat situation because yes. in in the situation with the rats, you're doing damage to other creatures, so you basically are only going to have rats on your board. But this is is similar in that because blorb is a token, what you're doing is you're destroying. I'm, I'm air quoting here. Uh, you're 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 basically purging another card technically because it's upside down. You no longer have use of that other card. So you're making your do- your deck smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the, also one of the things on Blorb Hive, there, there isn't yet known what the default of creating a token is because the Blorb Hive doesn't say from your hand or from the top of your deck. So whatever the default is, you make two of them. So if you're taking the two top cards of your deck to make them, then you're actually hurting yourself because you don't know what two cards you're getting rid of every time. If you're doing it from your hand, then you're thinning your deck deliberately. So this could be amazing or it could be sketch.
0: I see what you're saying. It's like, where are those coming from and what happens to the cards afterwards?
1: Yes, exactly. Well, I think Mm. when, so uh, again, I like came up with so many rules in my head that like vibe with previous rules, but until they make it clear i I don't actually know if i'm right but like in my head when something is destroyed because a card goes into like a a non-existent like it's out of play when it goes into the discard pile there are no cards that are face down in the discard pile so the card would become its default original card and no longer a blorb once it goes into the discard pile is my assumption but does it go
0: back on top of your deck and you shuffle like we don't know
1: even even better right like we don't know
0: yeah that's super interesting yeah i'm 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 very excited for this so now on the flip side of the blorbs being exciting one thing <laughs> i noticed is what if you do not have a good blurb deck okay. right and so if you create tokens anyway that are blorbs and you get the blurb hive in your discard suddenly you can destroy a blurb make it go back to their hand and now it's just an extra card clogging their hand which could reduce their draw next turn
1: Sure. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, is it basically, could you use it as like an archive strategy? Like where your, your, your tokens in general, not even just blurbs, but in general, your tokens that are upside down in front of you, like could have future uses to you if other cards in your deck support getting like bouncing creatures instead of destroying creatures.
0: Mm, yeah like what happens if you return it to your hand a token like where Mm -hmm. is it you know like magic where tokens don't exist because they're like they can't go to your discard and they can't go to your hand so they just disappear is it going to be something like that and then again what happens to the card that was it was yeah so i'm very curious to hear the rules update on the status of tokens in that regard um Going into some of the other cards, um, how I about actually before.
1: How about you pick your favorite, and then I'll pick my favorite.
0: Uh, I'm not. I was going to talk about the tokens just yet. It was the the card Space Invaders.
1: Ooh, okay, yeah, so totally.
0: A, so here's another spoiler. It's it's an action card in Mars that says: reveal any number of creatures from your hand and put each creature revealed this way into play face down as a token creature. Like, okay, so you could literally be in Mars, and if you have your other two houses creatures, yes. and you really want to cycle what an amazing cycle card and I think it's super relevant that this exists with the omission of logos in the game now this is helping create that sort of cycle sort of aspect but again we still need to figure out what happens to those cards once they are destroyed as tokens do they go back to your hand do they go to your like I mean there's there's so many i feel like setups and games games uh gaming sort of aspects you could take advantage of depending on whether it goes to your discard or to your hanks i mean you could set up a really fat turn coming up by wiping your own board and getting to draw maybe so and i this feel would like make, there's
1: some- oh this would make us an amazing support house if space invaders were allowed to be in a deck where the token was a different house because let's yeah. say like your mars house is your support house you take all of your mars creatures in that instance and you put them upside down in front of you. And then your hand is clear of the house you just called. And you uh, start the your next turn with all of these creatures in a different house.
0: Yep, exactly. There's, there's so many interesting decisions, I think, that can be made from stuff like this. But let's go over to talking about favorite ones that are coming out. So you I, go first. Sydney, oh, you tell me I have a favorite.
1: clear favorite, and it's not just because I'm an accountant, but uh, the the merchant is my favorite. And oh, wait for it! I absolutely know what the name of that house is. Um, what's what's Equidon. the new house? Ah, there you go. Okay, thank you. Equidon. Uh, so yeah, the merchant is an Equidon token, and I mean I appreciated the art, but since you like made me aware of the fact that the art is more present. Like it makes it even cooler, but it is, Mm -hmm. it's just a picture of one of the Equidon creatures and uh, looks absolutely regal, but the it's, he's a simple merchant and one power action, steal one Amber, destroy merchant. So for me, that gets my mind going with like, if you're cycling these tokens, like your token is a different card. And so let's say you have an out there, you have a token out there. He's destroyed because you've just stolen one. Then like what happens to the card? And so I'm I'm just really excited for the possibilities.
0: Yeah. I think that's going to be knowing what happens to that card, I think is, is such a question mark right now that could really influence some Amazing strategies, and I think no matter what the decision is, whether it goes to discard or to your hand, it is going to create some very interesting possibilities within the game. So I'm very excited for that.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you? So
0: I'm I'm going to obviously talk about no surprises here. Star Alliance.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> um,
0: and uh, I love that it's called Explorer, and it has a repeatability of look at the top card of your deck, and then you may discard it. Like that's such a great flavor aspect like it's called explorer so you're getting to explore your deck basically and then you decide whether you want to keep it or not or discard it and again i mean that feels like a very star alliance thing but at the same time seeing ways we get to utilize cycling and getting efficiency through your deck is something we're obviously wondering how that's going to be more present because of the lack of logos and i think this is something showing that direction
1: Also, if you have a lot of things in a deck, a lot of cards in a deck that allow you to make more tokens, you may want to discard a good card if the next token is coming from the top of your deck.
0: Right. Yes. Depending on how those, you know, those work or if if it's what if we find out that it goes back to your hand, then it's a way you could even destroy and get in your hand right away and play it if it's of the same house. There's there's so many possibilities until we figure out what happens to those token cards. Oh, I'm so stoked.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to
0: be great. Let's do one more each. So what's uh, what's your next one you want to do?
1: Okay, so I have to go Unfathomable. This is a Priest and two-power action exhaust an enemy creature. And I just feel like that is in such the flavor of Unfathomable, and it does slow down the game a little bit. But if you have a lot of those creatures out, it's a really good board control because if tokens mm-hmm. are your strategy in whatever deck you have, Priest is your token. It's a really good way of having a lot of two-power creatures out there that are really good.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I've come to really appreciate the unfathomable disruption in Exhaust. I think at first it seemed a little more vanilla compared to what Dis did, but now that I've gotten to play with a lot, and when you get that really synergistic Exhaust deck, it is, it is so disruptive and so annoying. Like it shut down. Just, yep. Yeah, it's it's a it's much greater than I originally thought. So I appreciate that. For mine, I'm going to go into Mars and choose the Martian Scientist, which is a one-powered creature that has an Omni ability that says, reveal a Mars card from your hand and archive it. Again, seeing how Amazing. Logos is being done. And this is basically, what is it called? Incubation chamber, but in a creature form. Because it's Omni, every turn you can do it, and you can just store that Mars for a really great turn. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that one. I think that's pretty cool.
1: I also like that most of these are are coming out at one or two power, so they're not making these tokens incredibly overpowered. Like a a small-ish board wipe or something that can do a little bit of damage to a lot of things would, would really just shut down a token deck.
0: Yeah, it's true. And so we'll have to see how the ping damage represents. I mean, going against mass mutation, they're gonna be particularly vulnerable just because mm-hmm. of there's so much ping damage. Good point. But I, I agree. I think it's uh it's it's well thought out and it feels pretty balanced. So I'm I'm very excited to see tokens in the wild. It's gonna definitely make me get a lot of uh, merchant or winds of exchange displays to get what to start with and see what's what because that's oh, always the best part. Totally. All right. Now let's move on to the next segment in the series that we've been doing that Zach kindly introduced, and it's when is this card good? And Cindy, why don't you tell us the card that you chose this week?
1: So this is pretty thematic uh, with uh, what I was just talking about, but this card is a Saurian card and it's The ISS Indominus, it's an artifact. It's from Dark Tidings. Um, It's an artifact that reads, action, exhaust up to five friendly Saurian creatures. For each creature exhausted this way, deal a damage to each enemy creature. So speaking of ping damage, this is something that can, in fact, do a lot of ping damage, but it really balances out the fact that, like, why is it better to exhaust them to do a damage each rather than just fight with them. So there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, of things to think about when you have this artifact out.
0: I would agree. I, I think that on the surface, the most obvious usage of this card of when it's good is when you're trying to do board control. That's like mm-hmm. the most basic, like there's no way you're not reading the card this way. So we're trying to now figure out how else can you utilize this to maximum effect?
1: So when you have a lot of tokens on the opposite side of the board and you don't want to hurt your own creatures because fighting obviously does damage back, this would be a great way to do a lot of ping damage to a handful of creatures. But five friendly Sorian creatures, so max doing five damage to your opponent, if you is the max ability of this card. And once you get to five, you are taking down some hefty creatures. So I think that is actually a good way to address some, some threats on the other side of the board, especially if they're behind taunt or uh, even, I guess this would, like one creature would get through all of the awards on the other side. But um, it's, there's, a lot of reasons why you would do it, but it, it definitely would be niche situations.
0: Well, you, you wouldn't remove... You'd only remove the ward.
1: Right. So, like, but you, you if you did that. all five... Yeah, it wouldn't be worth it to do all five. So, like, if you exhausted one of your Sorian creatures, you could get rid of a ward on every single opponent's creature.
0: Yeah. Like, for example, um, if you had one of the, the cards, the forge compiler that, that after your opponent forges a key, you ward all your creatures. This would be a way of getting around that aspect now one thing to note if you do have the five friendly soaring creatures and you can go to that height that also means that you're choosing to not gain five ember that turn potentially and is that a worthwhile trade so you must be in a dire (laughs) strait yeah you're choosing that i think in that instance uh one thing that i had was that uh i think it can be a great tool for if you have cards that exalt enemy creatures then you can have a way of popping them afterwards. So in that case, if you can do enough exalting and create a pinata over there, it may be worthwhile instead of reaping to then exhaust them because you know you're going to get an equivalent, if not more, ember and do some board control at the same time.
1: That's a great idea. That's totally true, especially if you have a whole hand of Saurian cards that that end up doing that. Yeah,
0: yeah there's like... Uh, Fiskius Felix, which you play if the tide is high, you exalt an enemy creature. And then there's a bunch of obviously other cards that have always existed that put ember on creatures. You can move ember from your creatures to other creatures, like things like that. There's just so many ways you can uh, really utilize that sort of uh, aspect of the card in the game.
1: Also, um, Cincinnati's Rex, and then using that over and over again, although he, he's not in, he's not in Dark Titan. You have to have so a, a that a makes sense. Nice little. That makes me sad. Yeah.
0: But I mean, hey, the Maverick is possible, I suppose. Totally. <laughs> or legacy. Um, so then beyond this, the the ways that I found were actually using this as a setup for the next house you were gonna call. So this oh. would probably be Sorian is a support. And you're trying to set up some of the the other cards coming. And obviously the main one that I think, you know what I'm going to say, Sydney, what is the main one? (laughs) No, no, not at all. Setting up a cleansing wave.
1: Oh yes, totally. (laughs) That's the
0: the easy way you can put like two or three damage. So you know that even if they have some way, it's going to stick at least one damage and you're going to get a burst that way. And if your opponent has a really wide board, it may be worthwhile to not deal with their board and actually just have this incredible burst turn with cleansing wave.
1: Absolutely. That would be awesome. Uh,
0: another one I thought of for comboing up is actually all in the house of shadows. The next cards that I have so this would be also a good thing to combo with finishing blow because you're obviously going to deal some damage to a creature maybe it's a big creature and it has armor as well which exists like they could have saurians themselves so you need to just get that one damage through so it's it's there and then you can hit up a finishing blow and steal and get that that's Um, totally true yeah so that's that's the one I thought of do you have any others you thought of Uh,
1: yeah so the um uh there is an upgrade that hurts you every time that you're used. And so if that were on your own creatures, that would be a situation. But um, I I came up with like, my head was in niche situations where this might be useful. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so you came up with a ton of better ones.
0: (laughs) Do you want me to go with another one?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: So the other one I had was actually using easy marks, which says exalt each damaged creature. So... It basically means you set it up by damaging their creatures, then you exalt all of them, and then next turn you can go back into Saurian and and essentially wipe them out and have a whole bunch of Ember come that way as well.
1: Nice. That would be awesome.
0: And then, of course, lastly is Kurwallop, which does the – it's kind of like – cleansing wave, but you, the creatures have to be destroyed and it's doing an extra one damage. So if you can get a whole bunch of creatures up to almost being destroyed and then having a Kerwollop finish them off to get a whole burst that way and do some board control at the same time, I think it would be a a pretty fun little combo there.
1: Now you're making me even more excited to use this card because I I came across it and was not actually like, it made me think that there would only be new situations where this would be something where it would be worth playing but now I actually I'm, I'm armed with so many more
0: yeah it's, it seems like a combo card which is something I noticed when Zach and I were going through this there's there's cards that are great upon the surface how you use them right away and then there's ones where they they're, you're thinking about using it to set up in combo with other cards mm. and it's it's kind of an interesting like I never really thought about utilizing cards in that way and this is basically sometimes requires it's a two-turn sort of aspect so the first turn you're setting up the second turn you're comboing out so obviously a lot of moving pieces need to come in to play and be together at the same time for us to work but again when is this card good and these would be the instances when it would be really good cool do you have anything else to add for this card Sydney
1: no, I think I think you you knocked it out of the park.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, this was an interesting one. When you first suggested it, I was like, I don't know if I even want to do this one because I'm not sure. But I was like, okay, the fact that I'm this unsure means that I should take a look and figure <laughs> it out. And so it was, it was a fun one. But of course, we cannot end an episode without the titular segment. We call this one Help from, Help from, future, from, self. from future Self. And this week, I happen to have one because I just spent the last few days hanging out with my man Dan from Sanctimonious. And uh, we were playing Soulforge and Keyforge for three days straight, basically. That's that's all we did. Lots of Soulforge, lots of Keyforge. And uh, it was fantastic. And we went through a whole box of mass mutations. And we just played Blind Sealed, basically, which is my preferred way of playing Sealed with a friend when you're not in a tournament format. And it was really interesting like to see how some decks, when you play Sealed, especially in like a one-on-one situation, you're like, oh, this deck is so good. But the truth is the deck is so good in relation to the deck you're playing. And if you Mm -hmm. actually went against really good decks, sometimes that would not ring as true. So just keep that in mind when you're playing Sealed. And this is also what's great about Sealed is you can play decks that aren't amazing and still have an amazing time because the matchup actually works really well. And I feel like mass mutations for the most part is is quite a balanced set in that regard. Like there's I feel like there's not a lot of blowouts that happen in mass mutations to a degree. You get a nice sealed environment where everything feels kind of on a level playing field. So I learned that in sealed, it's a great way to get to utilize different decks of different power levels and have a fantastic gaming experience within the realm of KeyForge.
1: Absolutely, especially like upon a first view of a deck, like you don't know the intricacies yet, that's absolutely true for Mass Mutation.
0: Yeah, it's it's great, and in this, we didn't even look at the the deck list before we played, we just knew the houses <laughs> nice. and just went to town. And it's honestly, if if you right now have been taking advantage of all the sales and such that existed, and you were able to resist the urge to just crack them all, um, playing those decks with a friend and just having two sealed and just cracking them open is going to give a fantastic play experience and you are going to really enjoy it Uh, i've been doing it a lot with my friend over the past year and i recommend you saving some of those decks and just having a one-on-one open a deck play and you can play it even like a sealed adaptive so you swap decks and keep playing and uh live your best life through KeyForge in that way and have a great gaming experience so that's just a little advice from my future self, noticing that how much fun it was to just play something blind, see how they work, and then deciding the power levels afterwards. It's always fun scanning after that as well. You're like, "Whoa, this deck seems so good! It just steamroll you." How how was it? <laughs> oh, it's a sixty-two. What was your deck? A sixty-six. What really? <laughs> like, like something like that. It's it's always a fun little little uh, aspect to the adventure.
1: Yeah. Summary: Live your best life through KeyForge. I'm taking that quote
0: yep, there you go. Live your best life through Keyforge. So that's gonna do it all for this week's episode. Uh, next time we I think we'll do another for sure when is this card good segment? but again, we'd actually love to hear what you would like to see spoken about and discussed and broken down of when this card is good so please go into the discord there's a link in the show notes to join if you are not already a member and uh, go into the topics for future episodes and start putting in your cards that you'd like to see discussed and sydney and i will break it down next episode we will do another vote and if you uh, wish to contact sydney what is the best way sydney that someone can reach you
1: so I am SC Steel on TCON Discord but I, I haven't actually checked my Discord for a while I took a break from that uh, as I as I stepped away to do real life summer things so if I'm slow to respond on that uh, I I will try and work on that.
0: Perfect. And of course you can also find me on Discord that's a boulevard Blake number sign 3840 and I'm hoping to get back into YouTube um, I know I said that last time, but there were still life things that got in the way, still getting settled in my new place, as well as I took a little trip, but uh, and uh, getting about a COVID didn't help at all. Uh-huh. But now I'm feeling good, I'm all settled, and I'm hoping to start creating some content, and with the stuff being spoiled by Galaxy Ghost, I am very much looking forward to and being inspired to talk about Keyforge again. So uh, stay tuned for that on my YouTube. I know I've been MIA for a while. So hopefully that will be coming in the next week or so. So until next time, folks, stay fortunate.